Welcome to the Clam Bake! It is the opposite of a sausage sausage fest. I'm Angela Gallner. And I'm Lindsay Stidham. And we want to be better feminists. Dang it! Each week we interview different guests about their experiences, challenges, triumphs, and follies with feminism. Because being a human is tough. And being a feminist is complicated. And also saying the word feminist is complicated. But our best resource is each other. Yeah, that's why we do this thing. Let's get talking. All right. Quick clam check-in. How's your clam, Angela? You know, my clam is good. Um, We're recording this the day after the Golden Globes. We are. Yeah, which it was a really exciting, inspiring night. It was. It was like I went to bed with happy tears in my eyes. Yeah. Oprah is our next president. For sure. Yes, without a doubt. Yes. Um, And I've never been prouder of Natalie Portman. Yeah. Even when she had sex with Mila Kunis in that movie, which I was really proud of her for because it was very I sexy. do like that movie. Controversial. I know a lot of feminists who don't. So that is a controversial oh, really? opinion. It's like that film, but I love it. Black Swan. I just like had a real like sexual awakening during that scene. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah. hello. Something's pinging around for me here. Yeah. It's a, <laughs> it's a great movie. Great scene. All the good things. She's great. Yeah. Natalie Portman's great. We love you, Natalie. We, yeah. But Oprah, we know you listen. So I mean, I felt like Seth Myers listens to this podcast because he was like Tom Hanks, who yeah, we bring Tom up Hanks incessantly to run. Yeah. Well, Oprah for president, he Tom, for, Tom VP. for BVP. Yeah. 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 So that was exciting. I that was an exciting moment. Also, I'm really proud of us. Yeah, we, we made the bitch list. Yeah. Let's self promote. Did we make the bitch list, Lindsay? We're number one on the we bitch list. We hit the top <laughs> of the bitch list, which, if you remember from episode last year, 20 ish. Yeah, we had um, Topi, who runs the bitch list on our podcast, and we yeah. talked about how it's a way to showcase um, writers who are working on scripts that pass the Bechdel test yeah. um, to let the industry know what to work out for this year. But we have to like verify and say like Topi does not even read the scripts herself, right? So, so, this, so she didn't like weight the ballots for us. She this did was not like a legitimate thing, and we're really stoked about it. Yeah. It's for our script called The Fuck Truck. Yeah, and uh, I feel like it's I saw um, a porno about that. Yeah, yeah, you might have. You yeah. might have. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But this is like a, a rad feminist rom-com all on a bus, stars completely women action comedy rom-com. Also sounds like the Spice Girls movie. <laughs> yeah. Totally. Okay. Totally. Yes. Yes. Totally. <laughs> yeah. Cool. But you know. That's how um, we're going to start pitching it. I have really eclectic taste. <laughs> Porn, <laughs> Spice Girls. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Great. Yeah. But uh, hey, we chose the word success for our 2018. Yes, we did. Mutually tonight. So cheers. Cheers. To more successes than may this just be the beginning for everyone in this room but today we have liz kelso which is so exciting and the clink you heard is thanks to her thanks these to beautiful liz. wine glasses yeah wow. yeah and she is an amazing sommelier wine expert here in los angeles she has worked at wally's in beverly hills um, she's trained people in wine. I've served wine with her, which was a privilege because I did not know what I was doing. And Liz helped me out a lot. Um, and she is currently studying for the advanced sommelier certification. And she's like, that's the level before you become a master psalm, which is a really big deal. And like, she's a woman in wine, which is starting to change. But we're going to get into it because it always hasn't been even what it is now, and there's a long way to go. 
Yeah. 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 Do we get everything right? Do we miss anything? Yeah. No. Okay. I, and you can talk really close to the microphone. Like you can make love to it like we are. Yeah. Or, I sometimes I'm like a really loud talker. That's and okay. That's great. You're and I get like company. really it's self-conscious okay. about it. Don't worry about <laughs> it. Are my levels okay? Because I, sorry, you'll have to cut that yeah, out. Yeah. No, it's Because okay. my, I'm really quiet in my own ear. No, just turn yourself up. You're good. Well, you're loud, but I'm quiet. Your levels are looking good. Okay, then that's yeah, good. Yeah, Sorry. <laughs> I just made your job a little harder by it's asking okay. that. It's okay. <laughs> um, we're so glad you're here. So Thank excited. you so much. Yeah. You're so, so much welcome. for having me. Yeah, of course. Thank you so much for being Thanks here. Thanks for and being here and bringing us wine. Yeah, so yeah. I just thought, you know, this is what I do in my daily life, and we're here to talk a little bit about that. But um, I wanted to share a female-made and owned wine <gasps> with you, too. Yes. I Amazing. felt like it was very thematic and on topic yes so um i brought a wine with me and i brought my own wine glasses from home because you have to you have to be fancy when you can yeah so um yeah you pretty much got everything i'm currently working as an imports buyer at a wine shop in in santa monica and venice um called lincoln fine wines and i um conduct wine classes fun events for like bachelorette parties wedding showers Mm -hmm. corporate retreats yeah um, and I'm like sort of like a hired gun in terms of wine so I sometimes um, work on the floor as a sommelier at the Ponte which is here um, in um, Beverly Hills and also at Faith and Flower in downtown LA cool so the hustle is real yeah yeah, yeah. and if you ever I just say if you ever want to hire Liz for a special event she like really knows her stuff she's gonna pick stuff for you in your price point and it's gonna be a fucking good time it's gonna be great yeah, <laughs> yeah. easy breezy beautiful yeah so we have some questions for you and our first question for everyone is are you a feminist why or why not yes i'm a feminist and uh i think the the answer is clear as to why which is because um i uh, have always um I have always sort of had um, a a connection to women as a whole um, in terms of friendships, in terms of mentorships. I'm an only child. I don't have a lot of um, friends. So the friends that I do have, I keep really close to me. And I think that um, the community of feminists is like a built-in family. And you can always count on the fact that um, if you support, I think, other women in succeeding and you support the feminist movement, that – you're part of something bigger that you will ultimately benefit from and that makes society better. Um, I a beautiful <laughs> I know. That was a gorgeous answer. Yeah. So, yeah, in college I, I majored in communication studies, but I also got a minor in women's studies and gender studies. So um, that stuff just started really to resonate with me. Once, once I think once you go to college and you kind of learn about the media and all the messages that you've been getting as an adolescent, um, especially when you don't have, like, an older brother or an older sister or, like, really involved parents to kind of guide you. Yeah. Um, I was really like sort of lost and in college I learned a lot about how media messages made me feel about myself and um, so that was part of my communication studies you know degree and then I was like whoa this is so related to my gender to my future to the possibilities that exist for me in the world and if I don't learn about this and be vigilant about it then I'm doing a disservice to like an entire half of the population. Yeah. Right? Amen. Dang, girl, that's awesome. Yeah. yeah. So, that so cool. And then it like, you know, all of that carries through to what I do for work now. So Yeah. Well, we have some statistics that just ten percent of lead winemakers in California are women and 
if you like wine, or even if you don't, you probably know that California is like an enormous part of the wine industry in America, and that men still hold the majority of wine director jobs in New York City, which is probably, would you say, the best restaurant city in the world still? Uh, In America. I mean, it's definitely the largest wine market in the United States um, by volume and by like dollars spent, Mm -hmm. both in retail and restaurants. So um, yeah, that's a pretty striking... That's a huge disparity it's, It still. is. Yeah. Yeah. Huge, yeah. Yeah. So what gender barriers have you personally found in the industry so far or right now in present day? Um, so my experience generally has been working in restaurants, although I work in retail now. Um, and most of the people that wind up in a job like mine uh, started out in a position like as a server or a hostess or something like that. And they find, you know, if I'm going to have a career in hospitality, I need to figure out a way to move up in some way. And generally, the farthest that you kind of get is like assistant manager or assistant beverage director or events manager or something like that and the men kind of still hold this position of power at the top and I saw that in a lot of places that I worked and then the women that I saw who were kind of mentors to me and um, examples to me who were really driven and um, desired to to move past that were seen as being overzealous Mm -hmm. as being um like sort of disrespectful of like some unspoken code, mm-hmm. and uh, and I just always thought that that was such BS. Um, and I'm one of those people, and I knew that I would be one of them in the future. And it's the the shift is like really noticeable. Like so many people in our age bracket work in hospitality as servers, and. If you go to almost any restaurant, you'll see that a lot of them are girls. A lot of them are women. I know a lot of restaurants that like specifically hire women. Right. This is an asset to look pretty. Right. Like, yeah. You're pretty. You're nice. You you're smile. Approachable, you're not intimidating. Mm-hmm. And um, but then once you want kind of want more and you want to make a living wage, really that doesn't depend on gratuities or tips, mm-hmm. um, and you want to have a work life balance, and you you're getting a little older, and you want to have a normal career. Something that's sustainable on your body too because serving is really hard physically. And it's not a career. It's not a it's not a pursuit of of a lifetime. It's a jobby job. Um so once you want to do that, uh it doesn't like that's kind of where the buck stops. Mm -hmm. And so um yeah, that's the kind of um stuff that I've seen. I um I've also I have a lot of friends that work in the wholesale side of the business, people who sell wine to restaurants and retail outlets and um, those are jobs primarily held by men, especially in large companies. Mm-hmm. In the United States, there's really two huge distributors that sell a lot of different products. And all of the people that work for those companies as sales reps and field managers and statewide managers are generally men who are in their 50s or older who, um, you know, are not the best company, really. Mm-hmm. Um and a lot of the girls that I know who have tried to get out of the restaurant world and seek a more sustainable career in sales have either been pushed out by being bullied or just left because it was an uncomfortable work environment with a lack of camaraderie, a lack of, you know, teamwork, um, and kind of were like just pushed out or bullied or thrown under the bus. So 
um, yeah, it's really unfortunate to say that. I want to like stay on the positive mm-hmm. train. Right, right. And I think that there's a younger generation of people, male and female, who are um, more open-minded and more supportive. And those people are increasingly coming into positions of power and mm-hmm. hiring, making hiring decisions. So I hope that the tide will shift. Um that's all I can say. You know, I think times are a changing as we learned last night yeah. on those golden yes. gloves. Time's, Time's up. up. Yeah. Your girls are here yeah. knocking down your yeah. door. You know, <laughs> I wonder too, like, do you think like Instagram and Snapchat, things like that? Like I, f- I feel just as a very outside consumer of wine that it's starting to feel more approachable to outsiders because I don't know, it, it feels like I'm seeing a lot more on social media and I'm like, oh, I can buy a bottle of wine and not be as scared as I used to feel. I think um, one of my main goals in working in the wine industry is to make wine fun, accessible, easy to understand, and um, rid it of all of the snobbery and, like, upper crusty, like, alienating grossness Mm -hmm. that I think so many people feel. I think young people, when they go into a wine shop or went into a wine shop prior – we're just like, I don't know, just I have $15. I don't really care, uh, whatever. Mm-hmm. And now I think people are being more conscious consumers, like overall. I think you're seeing that with the clothes you buy, the food you eat, the places you dine out. Like if you really want to be, I think, politically and socially engaged, you think about how you spend your money. Vote with your dollars. Like I really – this is what I say to people all the time. If there's principles that you believe in and you want to support, the first thing you should do is think about what you're spending your money on and if it supports a thing that you don't want to support. Because we live in a capitalist society. Everything is driven by money. And if you turn off the faucet of dollars to the people who are doing sucky things, then they can't do them anymore. Yes. Yeah. They depend on you to keep to be ignorant as like as a consumer. Don't buy Ivana Trump, Trump's clothes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, so that's all. That's what I'm about in working when I when I work as, as a sommelier in a restaurant in the retail shop. Like, I just try to engage people on a really open level and be like. Just think for a minute. Just think about what you're buying, blah, blah, blah. And people realize, like, this is a fun – this is a, this is an experience. I didn't just yeah. stop here on my way after work. I'm talking to this person for 40 minutes, and now we're having this whole exchange. So, um, yeah, I think that creates accessibility. I think it makes it fun. I think it's a learning experience. Um, yeah, I think social media really – feeds into that um there's a there's a natural wine movement happening right now Mm -hmm. and i think if you participate in you go to farmers markets or you follow certain like influential people on social media you might know about the natural Mm -hmm. wine movement and i as much as i have to say about that on on the good and the bad side Mm -hmm. i think that it's beneficial period because it's bringing younger people who are previously alienated to the space yeah yeah so you know, it's a lot more of a dynamic conversation after that. Right. But as long as it gets people in the door and they're, yeah. they start to be curious about what they're drinking and you can talk to them, then it's great. And millennials are drinking more wine than ever before. According to the Twitter ad you get every day where MIT has developed uh, to, your, to test your palate and ship you wine. Yeah. I love this. <laughs> this character you do every time yeah. you're reading some That's sort of like, news <laughs> thing. <laughs> 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 
breaking news. You know what I'm talking about, though? Yeah. What, is that, what is that thing that they are constantly advertising if they think you're a millennial where they want to ship you uh, wine that fits your palate or whatever? Um, I think that the direct-to-consumer wine market has exploded. Um, I think the moment might be over. So I may, if you're trying to get on that bus, I would probably advise you to be cautious about it from a business perspective. But, you know, people order a, a bark box for their dogs. Yep. They order Blue Apron to cook people dinner. People love boxes. They just love boxes. I love boxes. <laughs> you love to get a box in the I mail. I do Birch Box. Yeah. Birch Box. It's a present to myself. Yeah, yeah. treat yourself. Yeah. So the wine thing is the same thing. Yeah. Um, I do have a little bit, you know, my commentary on that is whatever, but I think those companies, they like buy grapes from different growers, wherever the California, France, whatever, and then they bottle it under their own label so that it's not available at retail for you to like compare the price. Oh. And so it's very inexpensive for them to produce because it's like, is this sp- like mint or like, is that what it's called? Mint? No. Um, they will shall remain nameless. Okay. The companies okay. that do this, like Great. They'll, they'll send you two bottles of wine a month for sure. like, for like, wink, f- that's what I was thinking. Yeah, okay. okay. So um, they produce wine very inexpensively, and that's not to say that it's bad quality, um, but their profit margins are pretty big, and the whole thing behind it is that there's no transparency. You can't mm-hmm. go into the store, really, and find that label and be like, this is what this really costs. Mm-hmm. So it's smart on their behalf from a business perspective, but I don't really think it furthers the cause of wine or people knowing what they're drinking or where it comes from or the, yeah. story, or the stories. Yeah, because you could be spending that money supporting a unique vineyard in California that will also ship you wine. Correct. Potentially. Right. Yeah. Right. And I mean, they have like angel investors like uh, sure. to the tune of like lots of lots of money. Go to your local wine shop and there's likely, you know, a cool place within a few miles of where you live that's owned by a small business owner who's like local to that neighborhood, who hires local people. Mm-hmm. I think support a smaller economy. I think that's yeah. probably yeah. a better thing. I yeah. guess I could do a little plug for Ashley right now. Because she's a local businesswoman. Mm-hmm. Ashley Ragavan mm-hmm. has the wine. She has a direct-to-consumer she has wine a thing. Direct-to-consumer wine. Hers thing. is better though. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Because she does her her mission is all about story, and she really puts a lot of care and passion into the growers that she sources from. Yes. So if you're looking to like do that, do that, and like use your what were you, what was that phrase you just said that was pay. So vote vote with your dollars. Vote, yeah. Mm-hmm. If you are looking to vote with your dollars, like she would be a good person yes. to buy from. Definitely. And it's called Pour This and we'll do a little link. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Ashley Ragavan is a very well-respected yeah. woman in the wine community in mm-hmm. LA. And I, she, she if you talk to her, she worked in restaurants. I think mm-hmm. she probably still does like from a consulting standpoint. Yep. Um, but she parlayed the stuff that she did into starting her own business because there was not a lot of viable options for her in terms of career. Yeah. And she had to kind of make her own jam. Mm-hmm. And she did. Yeah. So yeah. I wish her the best. Yeah. 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 More it's, power to her. It's it's cool. It's exciting to see women making shit happen for themselves. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I do like to go into the shop, though, I have to say. It's like so, it's a beautiful experience, like seeing all the bottles and holding them and looking at the color, and it's cool. There's another woman who I would mention. Mm-hmm. I mean, we could get to this later. I think you like Adam. There's another question later. But um, Helen, um, Helen Johannesson. I've she, heard of her, too. She mm-hmm. owns a wine shop in the back of John and Vinny's, which is a very popular restaurant here mm-hmm. in L.A., um, and she's also the beverage director for all the wine programs of all their restaurants, Son of a Gun, Animal, John and Vinny's. So she's a powerhouse. 
and um, I actually just listened to her, a podcast where she was the guest. Oh, cool. And she was like, um, she was like, go into your local wine shop, engage with the person. You're participating in like an age old tradition, this, this, this cultural tradition where we go to the grocery store and they have the bread, the meat, the wine. Like this is a uniquely American thing. In most other places of the world, your whole day is like, I'm going to the butcher, mm-hmm. I'm going to the baker, I'm going to the wine shop. And in a lot of places, you bring your own empty, like, growler, your own jug. Yeah. And, and they have, like, a tap, and they fill it up with wine that is delivered by a local vineron in, like, yeah. a, in, like a, a barrel or a keg. And mm-hmm. you pay four euros to, like, yeah. get it filled up. And it's made by a guy who, like, lives an hour away and yeah. brought it in, like, his truck. So And you only buy your food for that day. That's kind of beautiful. a really, really, that's really romantic. <laughs> it is really romantic. It's really romantic and it's really magical, but that's how a lot of other societies in the world exist. And, yeah. again, I think that's supporting your mom and pop. Like, mm-hmm. we can translate that into what we do here. And, it, sure, it requires more effort. It requires more thought. But I think just being a little more conscious yeah. as a human being and the stuff that you do is, like, such a good idea. Yeah. yeah. Speaking of that, can you tell us a little bit about what we're drinking? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So um, this wine. It's delicious, by it the way. It is delicious. Thanks. So good. It's not an overly complicated or fancy wine, but it's made by Catherine Breton. Uh, her and her husband, Pierre, own a winery in the Loire Valley of France. Um, it's called Catherine and Pierre Breton. Aww. And uh, <laughs> they're in a little town in the Loire Valley called Bourgoy on the side of the bottle here. Um, and the grape variety that grows there is Cabernet Franc primarily. Uh, so this is Cabernet Franc from Bourgoy from the Loire Valley made by Catherine Breton. It's called um, Trink, which means like cheers, like mm. like the sound that your glasses make yeah. when, you, when you cheers. She has a number of other bottlings under um, – her little label, which means like dabbler in French. Mm-hmm. Um, so their their wine that they make most of their money on is their partnership. He's the, um, you know, the cellar master and kind of like the everyday business guy, and she's the winemaker. And all of their vineyards are formed organically and biodynamically. They've been making wine since the 90s. Um, and the vines that they own are usually over 30 years old, depends on the little vineyard site. But the grapes that, uh, that went into this wine were, um, harvested from vines that are over 30 years old. Wow. From a little two hectare vineyard site, uh, it's made with indigenous yeast Mm -hmm. and it's got no sulfur added. So this is a natural wine. It is a natural wine. Yeah. Uh, but made very soundly Mm -hmm. with a lot of history behind it. And uh, but it's kind of updated for contemporary consumption. Yeah, so it's beautiful. Yeah, that's why it's like one of my favorite wine regions is the Loire Valley. It's really dynamic, and there's a lot of stuff for different kinds of people from there. So cool. Yeah. What it's, do you taste, Angela? Well, I, you know, I, I, you know, full. I should say full disclosure. Um, I, I used to help Ashley out a little bit with pour this, and she taught me a little bit. Yeah. But I never quite got very good at identifying. Although she wouldn't, you know, say that. And you'd probably say the th- same thing. There's no good or bad, right? Like it is. It it smells how you smell, and it tastes how how it tastes to you. Drier. Yes. I'm trying really hard. No, it's okay. <laughs> I mean, I think the first thing, like as a just for all the like listeners, if you're looking to learn more about wine and how mm-hmm. to talk about it and the verbiage to use. The thing that really helps, uh, like, a wine professional to help you find what you're looking for is, like, uh, okay, so first, if we're going to talk about red, for instance, 
do you like light bodied or full bodied wines? If you look at this wine, it's translucent in color. Like you can see your hand through it, right? Right. It's not opaque. So it's relatively light bodied. If it was full bodied, it would be opaque, right? It's more extracted. There's more solids in suspension. It's thicker. Does that mean that that means that the the grape there's less time that the skin is on the grape? This comes from a cool climate, uh-huh. so the the skins of the grapes are thinner naturally. They Got don't it. have to protect themselves from the sun. Got Think it. Think about places in the world where it's really hot all the time, right, right, and right. the types of people that are native to those places. Yeah. Okay. So if you're from like <laughs> England, yeah, it's going to be a full bot, more fuller. No, if you're from no. England, you're like pale. Yeah. You're like, right. Like, and your skin oh, is thinner I was and about it's it the cold. opposite way. Yeah. <laughs> and if you're from uh you know, if you're Brazil. from Sri Lanka, yeah. yeah. Like the people that are native to that place like over millennia yeah. have evolved to deal with the climate in that place. So the same thing goes for grape varieties, right? If you're thinking about a, a wine that's uh, lighter in body, generally it's going to come from a cooler climate or the winemaking is going to be, like you said, they're going to remove the skin sooner. They're gonna, yeah. they're not going to press them as hard right. to get as much color and extracted kind of material. Mm-hmm. So yeah, but generally if you like light bodied wines, you would be looking in sort of cooler, cooler to moderate climates. climates. Yeah, which is ah. which this is from. Right. And this tastes right. like um it has more than one fruit in it. Like to me. Yeah. So it's, I'm wondering like what the other fruit taste is in it. Sure, but I would also say this is like an earthy wine. Yeah, that's what it, that was my impulse. Mm. It's I not, should have just said it. Yes, just say it. <laughs> don't don't, don't hold, hold back. back. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so it feels earthy. Like there feels like there's a lot of texture, which probably comes from the dryness. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not super sweet, which I like. Correct. Yep. Yeah. So that's another thing that I think a lot of people don't know the terminology dry. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm just here. To, I want to. I just want to get a dry wine. Yeah. I just. I'm looking for a dry rosé. Mm-hmm. Girl, ninety nine percent of the rosés at a fine wine shop will be dry. Right. Dry just means that it doesn't have any residual sugar. It means that they fermented all the sugar into alcohol, and now you have, like, wine. Wine. There are places where they make wine, and they will stop the fermentation through some sort of intervention mm-hmm. so that sugar remains, and that makes the wine a little easier to drink. If you think about fruit, right, there's sugar and there's acidity. Mm-hmm. So when you have, like, a little too high acidity and it's, like, bracing yeah you leave a little bit of sugar you can it kind of tamps it down it kind of balances it out right slash gives you a hangover yeah and there's also places (laughs) in the world where it's allowed you're allowed to add sugar after the wine is done fermenting ah it's called chaptalization chaptalization yeah interesting i'm assuming america is one of those places yeah we love our sugar yeah is that like dessert wines or is that no like there's plenty of wines that are very mainstream, that they sell at Trader Joe's, that they sell at Ralph's, that have had essentially grape juice, sugar, really sugary grape juice added back into them oh, after the wine no. was done fermenting. <laughs> and so people don't know. Like, people are like, oh, I got a hangover from this wine. And it's like, yeah, dude, because it's, it's got sugar. hella sugar in it. <laughs> so will the label indicate that? No, no? it is not required to label wow. that. You're also allowed to acidify with, like, citric acid which oh. is like a thing that you can make in a lab. So it, how do we look out for that? You need to go to a to fine a wine, wine shop. Wine shop. Yeah. Okay. And you need to tell them, like, I want to drink something that was not manipulated in some weird way that I don't know about. Right. You need to hire Liz. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, be educated, y'all. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. So I wanted us to, like, really, I love that you call out to, like, taste it, but... Uh, I'm glad we did because it is said that women have 
a better palate scientifically. Is this true? Why or why not? No. So <laughs> I don't think women have a better palate. That's like saying men are better at math. Oh. <laughs> like, um, so I think maybe women are more in touch with their senses. I think maybe we are more aware of how to talk about our senses and our feelings mm -hmm. um, and our perceptions. We have more of like a, a language for that. But I don't think that um, inherently we have like physical capabilities that are different than men. Um, I also think that... Do men and women have the same number of taste buds? Dumb question. Uh, yeah, I would go with yeah. Probably. Yeah. I mean, we're all human. Yeah, the only <laughs> thing that... I think it's just in the crotchal region that we're that different. I guess bra I guess brain structure. We have like more mm -hmm. nerves on, on the on the vajay. Oh, yeah. Yes. We do. Like a lot more. Yeah. Way more. Yeah. 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 Thank you so much. I don't Thank know. Thank you. Um, so yeah, I think we... I think also... Uh, especially women in the wine industry, like, I think, um, yeah, I think language is a big part of it. It's being able to express yourself. Mm -hmm. I just think that's not something that's encouraged for boys when they're growing up. Yeah. Um, and it's not something that is um, part of their friendships or relationships with other men. Hmm. And I think so much of women's bonding and t is about talking and how and about your feelings and um, so when you're talking about wine, it's all about how does this feel to you? What do you think about it? And I just think we have the be a better ability to talk about it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I hope we raise boys to talk about their feelings more. It's just like sex <laughs> and stuff like that, right? I yeah. Think, I think you will succeed most as a woman in an intimate way if you can just say, hey, this is what feels good to me. This is what I need. Yeah. How, when's the last time you guys dated a guy or met a guy? And he was like, I like it like this. Or right. I, yeah. what feels really good is if you do it this way or you touch me here. Guys don't talk about like that. They right. don't talk yeah. like that. Yeah. But we do. Yeah. Because yeah. it's like life's too short. I'm not hanging around here just let you fiddle around <laughs> yeah messing just, up my time yeah. <laughs> <laughs> clunking around down there yeah, yeah. knocking on things let's get to it <laughs> here's what we need yeah <laughs> so i think that's kind of why women have a better vocabulary but for wine. dang i hope we all start talking more about that too <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for sure. mm -hmm. glass of wine helps with that yeah, yeah that's true yeah. <laughs> um well I initially reached out to you to be on this podcast because on Facebook you were talking a little bit about how um, you were at an event and you got criticized for what you were wearing and you weren't even working. You were there for getting to know people in the business and you were there socially and also for networking and you were not even working the floor and somebody still said something about what you were wearing. So how often does that happen and do you think there's double standards for women as sommeliers? Yeah, so um, I think the expectation of, again, people in hiring positions, people in management positions um, for the female sommelier, um, you know, I the, my first SOM job, I was promoted from a server to a SOM. As a server, I wore clogs, dance go clogs, uh, really comfortable, like, you're just your dance go. Yeah, you're hauling, you know, yep. heavy, dirty, wet things. You are cleaning up people's half-eaten food. You're going in and out of a dish area. Like functionality is key. Obviously, trying to look cute as much as you can while you smell like fried food and trash mm -hmm. is um, a struggle. 
And um, but then you transfer to this sommelier role, and all of a sudden you're supposed to wear dresses, skirts, high heels, curl your hair, wear lipstick, and I'm not not taking out the trash now. I'm not not carrying heavy things. Right. I'm still doing all those same things. The job of a sommelier to serve wine is obviously tantamount. But it's also to be really supportive and to be a role model to the staff. So if I'm holier than thou and I can't climb up a ladder, get something off a high shelf, carry a case of wine, stock the case of wine, um, clear a table, wipe it down, reset it, then I'm at a disadvantage and I, people, I, I'm not serving the, the purpose of the restaurant. Mm-hmm. Um, so in all the jobs that I've had where it was kind of like that's the expectation of female managers, of um, sommeliers, I was just like, I'm going to wear pants and I'm going to wear really comfortable shoes. And I'm going to try as much as I can to look cute in addition to that. I don't think those two things are exclusive. Right. Because dudes do it. Right. Guys can do it. Yeah. Yeah, That's weird. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. So, um, yeah. Uh, the event I was at was primarily populated by this old guard of the Court of Master Sommeliers is kind of, I guess we can get into that later, but um, it's generally kind of a fraternal organization of older gentlemen that pi- primarily populate its constituency. And um, I was just dressed very casually. And a number of the other young ladies who are not necessarily sommeliers yet, but who aspire to be or who are taking their introductory level exams, um, were wearing really nice, um, revealing, you know, dress it very attractive, flattering, mm-hmm. nice dresses, high heels. And it was like a, um, a party. It was an after party for this event. So sure, you would like one would like maybe want to dress up and I don't want to put that down. Um, but for me, I had worked all day. I had worked like nine hours doing mm-hmm. really hardcore stuff, and I was going to wear comfortable shoes and a denim jacket, and I was going to go drink the free wine yes! and network yeah. and schmooze and be mm-hmm. myself. Yeah. And these are scenarios where I hope to meet like potential future employers, colleagues, um, you know, mentors, and there's no sense in parading around in some getup that is not me yeah I want other people in the room to be like oh she is just being herself and I'm into her vibe and so I would want to work with her Mm -hmm. I see someone like Ashley in a room or Mm -hmm. someone like Helen or someone Mm -hmm. like one of you guys and I'm like okay like like I get what they're yeah I get what you're putting down Mm -hmm. and there's there's certain people in a room you relate to and certain people you don't and this guy was kind of like why aren't you doing that thing and I was just like, why are you sexist pig? Like, what? Yeah. <laughs> and I kind of just called him out. And he was like, well, you're a pretty girl. Like, you should, you know, you should put that on display. And I was like, you're an old Fuck fat man. You. <laughs> you're an old fat man. Like, and we all see. So. <laughs> and then I kind of just walked away. <laughs> so. That's yeah. so gross. There's a lot of girls that were, like, working this event with me. Like, I was the captain of producing an, a, a, a portion of the event mm-hmm. and they were assigned to be my helpers and they work all over the country in different restaurant settings and stuff like that and a lot of them knew what the requirements of the day were going to be and they all wore high heels they wore pants that you would split if you bent down they wore tops that were like reveal it's like when you bend down mm-hmm. and so I don't know what they do in their daily lives in the restaurants that they work at right. um but it just wasn't realistic for me and half of them were like KO'd yeah. in like in like hour four right and those are young girls you know like I'm a little older than a lot of them but um 
yeah, I just think functionality is key. Like, if you want to kick ass at your job, then you just got to, like, come prepared. Right. Yeah. And I feel like high heels are a tool meant to, like, disable and subjugate you. I mean, absolutely. Designs mainly by men. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And don't get me wrong. I love feeling feminine. I love feeling sexy. But I don't think those two, like, necessarily come hand in hand for me always. Yeah. yeah. So uh, if you're a lady and you like wearing high heels and you're a sommelier, like, I don't want you to feel bad. Yeah, like, good on you. That good takes on a you. lot of foot More training. More power to you. But let let us be realistic. If you're telling me that you worked a nine-hour shift in high heels on marble floors and you did not go home and need to put your foot in, feet in a hot bath or something like yeah. I don't know you're you're a wonder woman you yeah. should you should be nominated for president yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> um yeah. so you know yeah. to each their own but that was a that was kind of a wake-up call for me because I am progressing in the court of master sommeliers and the person that made this comment to me is a, a prominent figure in that organization and um like my future like he will be judging me potentially so uh, that was kind of a wake-up call of, mm-hmm. like, do I do the dog and pony show? Do I middle finger the dog and pony show? I don't really know. I'm just still trying to figure it out. It's confusing and hard. Yeah. 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 I think we all do that at our jobs, um, in our, you know, whatever, wherever you wind up. You're like, yeah. I don't really – you kind of assess the scene and like, you're like – How long do I play along? Do I have to play yeah. along and, like, be someone I'm not? Or do I just need to find an organization where I can just be me? Totally. And where are those organizations and how do I align myself with them? I don't know. Mm-hmm. We and just had a conversation with a friend just this weekend who talked about how she wants to make herself look bigger in a pitching room, which I yeah. thought was like – It was Gia, Gia yeah, who was, was on yeah. the fourth episode, I believe. Yeah, Gia who uh, directed a film Angela's in that hopefully will be out this year. Yeah. Oh, you're a movie yeah. star? Well – yeah, Sick. the kind you've never heard of. Ooh. <laughs> it's coming, it's coming. But uh, she was talking about how she wants to make herself look physically bigger, which I was like, that is really smart. But it is also fucked up that we even like think about that. Of like, what are we gonna look at, look like in a room where we're simply talking about our ideas? We are selling our idea. We're trying to sell our ideas, but our job is to go there and talk about our ideas. And we're still like, what do we look like in that space to get somebody to take us seriously? Yeah, I mean, yeah. There's, like, I don't know one of those books like How to Win Friends and like Influence People or uh-huh. something like one of yeah. those stupid books you read. And I like read this thing one time. If you do like before you go on a job interview, like do yeah. like make yourself bigger, like do this, stretch your arms out, yeah. like do jumping jacks, and somehow this like residual energy will feed into like the mind of the person in the interview totally. I love it. it's like a psychological weird thing or makes you feel more confident totally. I, don't, I don't really know if that's true but I do that before job interviews yeah it's like the exact opposite of what women are trying to do which is like be smaller be and smaller, accommodating yeah. P.S. Yeah. I've never been on a job interview for a SOM job that was where the wo- where it was a woman hiring me It was. it's always been men well that's yeah. a fucking telltale sign yeah. right there yeah yeah. it's uh, a yeah. Very similar in film. I can count on two hands in more than a decade of trying to make this work of how many female executives I've met, which right. is insanity. Yeah. It's insanity. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, <laughs> why do you think women make excellent sommeliers? Uh, I think this relates to the thing we were talking about earlier. I think women are really uh, adept at communicating. Mm-hmm. I think... Um, I mean, I don't want to say a non – I mean, I think this is a feminist thing. Um, but I think women, um, their warmth and um, desire to connect with other people. I think 
women are so good at interpersonal relationships. I think that's so important to like building a community to fr- like having an interpersonal connection. And I think that uh, the ability to be genuine in a hospitality scenario really relies on you actually wanting to relate mm-hmm. to other people. Yeah, to have a real experience. To have a to relate. And so um I think that women are probably better at relating. Um and I also just think that um I don't know. I think men and women have equal qualities that make them good at being sommeliers. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like I'm good at it and I was uh, drawn to it because my grandmother was a really great hostess. She was kind of like a, not a debutante, but she loved to throw parties. She didn't work. My grandpa like just worked and she threw awesome parties. She was a good cook. She was like a, you know, DIY, like crafter, like homemaker. Mm -hmm. And I grew up watching that happen and watching her do all this cool stuff and so as an adult I have really enjoyed hosting parties welcoming people into my home sharing food sharing wine sharing experiences over food and beverage because that was what I saw my grandma do and um so that's that comes from another like woman in in my life she Mm -hmm. was like the hostess yeah Mm -hmm. and I feel like that when I work in a restaurant Mm -hmm. it's like lights camera action let's bring an awesome experience to everyone here it's like a little party at every individual table and I am helping bring the party yeah so literally be our guest was playing in my head as you were doing that (laughs) be our guest guest. (laughs) so I don't know I I I don't want to put the boys down like yeah yeah yeah. like men and women are equally skilled and talented in different areas in this profession and um I will say that the that just the the status quo situation that the guys have over the girls is I can't tell you the number of times I I go to a table and I welcome them and I introduce myself and they go but you're a girl you're a woman really yeah where's the oh are you the like oh are you just filling in like where's the sommelier and it's like dude it's me yeah (laughs) I'm right here so I you know men have the upper hand um because they just automatically garner respect right Mm -hmm. um you know but I will say you got to be vigilant if you're a woman in this thing and you got to just like not let that stop. You can't miss a beat. Also, yeah. this is a big question. Like I was just thinking about my experiences where I have eaten at restaurants fancy enough for the sommelier to come and chat. Sommelier always pours the glass of wine for the man first. Will that ever change? This is um <laughs> well the tr- the in the court of master sommeliers the um the manners the the protocol is that the host of the table quote unquote host of the table who has the wine list who did the ordering mm-hmm. is the one who will taste the wine that they have ordered to mm-hmm. make sure that it's not corked. Also, by the way, if you ever order wine in a restaurant and the sommelier pours you a taste, it's not to determine if you like the wine or not. It's to determine if the wine is flawed. So if you don't like the wine, I encourage you to speak up and just say this isn't what I was looking for. We had a miscommunication. But it's not like, mm, I just don't like it. <laughs> um, it's There's wine flaws that can be detected through just pouring a little taste. But um, So the host of the table will be the one to taste the wine initially. And then traditional um, manners and protocol in the court of master sommeliers would dictate that the lady – in a, in a clockwise fashion around the table next after the host mm-hmm. will be poured first 
all the ladies in a clockwise fashion first and then a second trip around the table for the men. Ah. So if you are dining at restaurants where men are poured first, that is a uh, violation of mm. the terms Whoa. of the service protocol. Uh, you know, it should be ladies first. Interesting. Yes. I guess I've been at more tables where the man has ordered the wine. Correct. Yeah. That's the thing is that usually the man man. is the host. Mm -hmm. And that is true. Most women defer in a dining experience to the man that they're with. I don't know. They hand them the list. I don't know. You know more about this than me. You figure Mm. it out. They're just going eeny, meeny, miny, moe. Yeah. They're looking at And they're looking at the price. And they're looking at you. And they're like, I don't know. How much is this worth to me? Right. And like you can do the same thing guys yeah. ladies. ladies totally yeah especially if you're gonna pay part of that bill yeah <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. Totally. interesting yeah i don't want to hog all the questions angela i think the next question is yours yeah too. so um you're about to take this big exam how when is it coming up for you or we don't have to talk about it if it's no. gonna stress you out no it's uh, it's in march so it's March, the second week in March, mm-hmm. and um, that's in eight weeks. And I applied for this exam last year and was declined. Um, it, what? Yeah, what? so the at this level, there are only three exams per year. Because you're at a very high level at um, this point. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's sort of surreal. I don't know. So cool. Uh, I hope that it works out. Um, <laughs> right, real quick. Can you kind of, exp- can you kind of explain yes. the levels? Okay, so we'll start from the beginning. The Court of Master Sommeliers is a uh, trade organization of professionals in the wine industry um, that originated in England, and now there's Court of Master Sommeliers America, and they are dedicated to the uh, furtherment of the sommelier profession through providing certification, training, and a a community um, for people who are engaged in this career. So um, before this, if you were a wine professional, there was no real way to gauge what level of acumen or achievement you have. And so this is a way for employers to set a standard of the type of person they want to hire. It's a way for professionals to differentiate themselves in terms of their skill set. And it's overall a beneficial thing. Um, it has been dominated by men um, primarily and still is and will be for some time based on the statistics. Um, so there are four levels, the introductory level, certified level, advanced, and then master sommelier. So to give you a clue, the introductory level is something that many servers are encouraged to take. If you work at a large corporate restaurant, like a steakhouse that has that's a chain nationally mm-hmm. or something, there's a lot of um, companies that'll pay for their servers to go to the introductory exam, so you know how to pronounce things correctly. You you get a kind of a basic education on the main wine regions of the world that you would encounter at a at a basic restaurant. Right. Um, it includes an educational seminar that's two days long, and then there's a little uh, exam. At that level, you're not expected to be able to blind taste wine. You're not really expected to be able to serve a table in a mock service environment. It's very entry level. Got it. And it's an encouraged, you know, step for people who want to, you know, go up. And then after that is the certified level, which uh, is for people who really are interested in being sommeliers, period. If you know, and 
that remains to be seen how many certified sommeliers are actually floor soms. I think a lot of them still have serving jobs. Mm-hmm. But um, at that level, there's three portions of the exam. There's a blind tasting, a theory exam, and a service exam. So they create a mock service environment in a ballroom in a hotel where the test is conducted. Mm-hmm. Master sommeliers sit at a table and pretend to be guests, and they put you through oh a series gosh. of... This is stressing me out just thinking about yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> so, you know, they have an empty table and two people are sat at it, and then there's, like, name tags in the empty seats, and it's like, woman, man, woman, and we do what we were just saying. You have to right. go around and, like, pour the champagne in the correct order and walk around the table in the correct direction and suggest wines that would be appropriate based on the imaginary food they ordered. Mm-hmm. And um, the blind tasting part is written, mm-hmm. and there are only four wines. Uh, yeah, and then at the end of the day, they announce everybody who won, uh, or you know, who won, who passed. Uh, so it's been two, three years, four years almost. No, almost four years. Oh, God, when did I do that? Since three years, three years since I passed that one. And at the advanced level, all the components are the same, mm-hmm. except the level of depth and um, seriousness of the questions and of the service part are is is increased. Um, you're expected to know a lot more about cocktails and things like that, mm-hmm. um, beer, sake, tea, you know, spirits. Wow. Um, and the service portion is a little more of a gauntlet scenario with more complicated things like decanting an old wine and making sure there's no sediment in it or, um, you know, handling multiple tables at once with different weird needy requests. Mm -hmm. And then the blind tasting portion is six wines in 25 minutes. It's timed with a master sommelier and it's all um, oral. It's all, so there's not, no written, there's no paper in front of you to be able to follow the format of the blind tasting, which is um, points basically. So if you're not hitting all the boxes in your blind tasting, you're essentially losing points. To pass the exam at all levels, you have to score uh, 60% or better on all of the combined um, aspects. So, you know, 60% is not a lot, but uh, you'd be surprised at like the level of difficulty of some of these things. So it's really only going to work out if you have a lot of experience or a lot of like Gusto. Yeah. And can um, they pull wines from anywhere in the world? Yeah. So the Court of Master Sommeliers is changing um, a lot. You can imagine that if you took the test to become a Master Sommelier in 1970-whatever, the world of wine available to the diner in the U.S. market was much more narrow. Right. And the understanding of it was much more simple. Now, the it's expanded so broadly that like they're asking questions about places that – 20 years ago, ten, even 10 years ago, you wouldn't be able to find a bottle of that wine in the United States. Wines wow. from Bulgaria, Hungary, Georgia, South Africa, wow. um, you know, sparkling wine from England. These are not things that you were seeing in the U.S. market in the finest of shops. Forget a restaurant in Ohio, you know. Yeah, right, so yeah. it has to be stuff that's like nationwide, relatively, you know, general enough that like any place in the US would serve it or have it or know should know about it that a guest would ask. Mm-hmm. Um and that's broadening so quickly that um I don't know which end is up really. So that's wow. in March. Um I applied to take it last year and I was declined. There's only three advanced exams a year and they're across the nation. So there's one on the East Coast, one in the central US and then one on the West Coast. And um 
I obviously, when I applied for the exam again this year, I chose the as my preferential dates, the ones that are farther away. Sure. So that once they gave me the date, I had some time to prepare. And um, of course, they gave me the soonest date. Oh, <laughs> delightful. And I should have been more serious about my studying this whole time. But of course, we all procrastinate. So mm-hmm. I'm just doing a little cramming, little eight-week little cram jam. Yeah. Yeah. How, and what, what makes them accept or decline you for the exam? So um, number of spaces, a number of applicants, like number of applicants far out numbers, number of spaces. If you only have three exams, there's only like 30 people per. So it's like 90 seats or 100 seats a year. Wow. And I think probably something like a few thousand people apply. Yeah. So they do a little um, knowledge quiz online where you answer questions. And then you also send in your resume that you have to provide references. They call those people and ask about your experience and their relationship to you. You have to know master sommeliers and have like a mentor. Harder than getting into college. (laughs) It's really crazy. Sounds like (laughs) it. Yeah. Yeah. So it's make it or break it time, ladies. Oh, oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, I'm excited and nervous for you and yeah. wish you like all yeah, the good wish you feelings. All the best. Yeah. yeah. There's like there's like uh, probably a few thousand, maybe I think probably less than 2,000 advanced sommeliers in the United States. Holy shit. Do and you know how many are women? I don't know how many are women, but the statistic is probably similar to that of the master sommeliers. So there are 200 and there's under 240 master sommeliers in the United States. And om- less than 30 of them are women. Jesus. So I would wow. say that the percentage probably is probably reflected. the sa- reflected in, yeah. the, in the lower level. Yeah. 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 So mm-hmm. like around 10-ish percent. 10 percent, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Wow. Wow. Cool and exciting. Yeah. Yeah. So what are your top wine racks for 2018? <laughs> so yeah, the natural wine movement is not going away. Yeah. And it's controversial. It is controversial. I love it. Mm-hmm. Like I said, because I think it's a conversation starter. Some mm-hmm. this has struck some kind of chord with a group of people who was previously alienated from this. Yeah, yeah. And so however that happened, I love it. I'm into it. I think there's more to discuss mm-hmm. um with people who are engaged. But um my wine recommendations, some things that I've really loved. Let's talk about like women winemaker stuff because yes. that's to- that's topical, right? So there's a woman. Oh my god, her name escapes me. I feel like a really bad person. <laughs> um, she she and her ex husband own a winery in Oregon called Division Wine Company, cool. and uh, she they are not married anymore, but they still own this business together. And she makes a wine called Gamine. Which is a sparkling wine from Oregon, mm, and that good. it's it's a pet nat technically petillant naturel, and so it's a sparkling wine. It's kind of like champagne, but it's a little rustic. Yeah, and so that's a favorite that I've had. Um, there's a woman named Martha Stuman who is making delicious wines in off the beaten path regions. Kate Norris. Kate Norris. She's kicks ass. Kate Norris, I want to sell your wine in my <gasps> shop. That's beautiful. Yeah. And um, Martha Stuman is really cool. She makes wine in these little off-the-beaten-path regions in California. Land is really expensive to buy here in California. So if you want to start making wine, usually you have to just buy grapes from a farmer and then make it in a custom crush facility because um, you don't have a lot of capital to begin with. Martha Stuman started out like that, and now her and her business partners are buying some vineyard land in places where it was, like, really cheap. Um, and like formerly really crummy wine was made, but she's just super good at stuff. Cool. So um, Martha Stuman is great. Um, all of her wine is good. If you see it in a shop, I highly recommend getting it. 
I love. Is it just her name? Yeah, associated it's with it. Stumen. S T O U M E N. Um, and I follow her on Instagram, and she started following me back, and I was like, yes. I'm gonna oh. put these. I'm gonna put these somewhere so yeah, that yeah. people can access them. I'll like send them to you. Yeah, or I'll send you a list. So I want people to be able to. Buy that. Yeah. Buy that lady wine. Yeah. <laughs> There's another woman named uh, Elizabetta Foradori. I'm, what a great name. I'm, yeah. I'm partial to her because we share a name. Yeah. Uh, my name is also Elizabeth. Uh, and she is Italian. She has two wine projects in Italy, one called Foradori, her, her last name. And those wines are from northern Italy, all from native grape varieties. And then her and her partner, her boyfriend, I don't know the nature of their relationship, but they have another wine project in Tuscany called Ampelia. That's A-M-P-E-L-E-I-A. Um, yeah, those are some really cool things. I also had a wine. This is not a female-owned or made wine, but uh, still delish. Still delish. <laughs> probably best wine period of 2017 was um, Stefan and Benedict Tissot's uh, Le Gravier Chardonnay from the Jura. Um, I'll spell that out for you. But cool. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh. Um, it's, a, it's a region in France, and they typically make these kind of oxidative, nutty, funky, like, white Ooh. wines. Mm. And But this one was made really cleanly and very mm. soundly, and it tasted like a $200 Grand Cru Bourgogne Blanc, you know, like a, like a white burgundy. Um, but how much does it cost? It was only 40 bucks. Oh. Whoa. That's so, totally affordable. Yeah. And like that's not a wine location. that, like, most people would pick off the shelf. They're afraid of, like, regions they don't know. So mm-hmm. that's one I, like, always highlight, and people are never disappointed. Cool. Yeah. That's awesome. Cool. Yeah. What advice would you give to ladies who want to get into this? Um, if you're really serious about hospitality you need like really ask yourself because I think a lot of people come to the hospitality industry because they're an actor or a singer or a musician of some kind and this is just a way to work during the day when you're not pursuing your true passion if you continue to pursue a career in hospitality just because um you're going to be dissatisfied in the end. And you're not going to be the best at that thing that you can be. If you're just lost and this is where you found yourself, um, I, I encourage you to continue pursuing what it is that your real calling um, is. My other advice is that um, you really have to be vigilant. You And it's so hard to not be perceived as, like I said, overzealous or um, – bitchy or shrill these these adjectives like I hate them but it's really a problem to be perceived that way it's just like and it sucks because maybe you didn't do anything maybe that perception is complete fabrication in the mind of someone else but once that is kind of how you're labeled it's you can't really undo it um so be really vigilant be really professional give people no reason and no excuse to not promote you to not view you in a positive way to not look up to you um I also think that the hospitality industry is very friendly it's very um it's really easy to like end up partying a lot Mm. and to have all your friendships be where you work and I think professionalism is really key I think that feeds into like the the, just the, the previous statement gossiping is really bad being gossiped about um you will be uh, thrown under the bus if like people start gossiping about you give people no 
don't give them an inch mm-hmm. because once people th- feel like they can undermine you, you're done. So I think you just really have to bring your A game all the time. Come correct. Be proud. Be happy to be there. Be excited. Be an asset, an undeniable asset. Um, and I think that hopefully you'll find success. That's try- what I'm trying to do is just even though – Court of Master Sommeliers is sort of this fraternal organization, and I don't really know if I fit in with them. It's kind of this old boys club. The reason why I want to participate is because I just want to have as much as possible on paper so that when I sit down from that man who will inevitably be interviewing me, that he can't deny me. It's like, boom, boom, boom. I got it. I got it. I got it. I'm here. I'm talking to you. I can form sentences. (laughs) And I have everything on paper that you would want to see. I've given you no reason to not want to believe in me, right? Give people every reason to want to believe in you. And I think also mentorship and support is key. I have a hard time accepting help from other people. I'm Mm -hmm. a very prideful person and um, very independent. Mm -hmm. And this is something I'm working on. But I get a little bit of enjoyment out of – or a lot bit of enjoyment out of – helping other people with what I know, sharing my knowledge with guests and with other colleagues and people who aspire to grow um, is enriching for me. And I didn't get where I am without the help of other people. And so I need to kind of like pay that forward. And so it's really a selfless thing. And if you're not into that, then maybe this isn't for you. Um yeah, those are – and also just wear comfortable shoes because <laughs> yes. yeah, because you only get one – oh, man, girl. You, you only, only get, get two feet. You only get two feet, and also <laughs> you only get, like, one face. So mm. just wash your face at night <laughs> and um, don't sleep with your makeup on and um, wear comfortable shoes. And you know what? If you need to call out when you're having a bad day, yes. just take a me day. Yeah. You don't have yeah. to overshare about that. You don't have to feel guilty about it. Mm-hmm. Sometimes – you just need some me time. Mm-hmm. P.S. I took this food safe exam, and if you have diarrhea or the flu, do not come to work. Don't. <laughs> don't. It's fine. Just recently took that exam, and I was like, uh, the only question I got wrong was like, uh, if you have diarrhea, how many days sh- should you stay out? And I was like, fucking a month. Don't come in. <laughs> don't get near me. <laughs> get That's out of there. such amazing advice. Amazing though. advice. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have any mentors? You're talking about how much enjoyment you get out of doing it. Yeah. Do you have any mentors that um, you want to give a shout out to who have really helped you? Yeah. I mean, I think that um, the people that I don't – so the sommelier community, like, of you know, of people ab- above me really is in L.A. Women-wise is very limited. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, I'm gonna do like shameless, like like I want to be your friend right now. Do yeah. it, Helen Johannesson. Let's put it out there. I don't know if you're ever gonna listen to this, or <laughs> if anybody listens to this who knows her. But I really want to um, hang out with her, or just have a a little meet and greet because all of her principles, all of the things she supports, are so aligned with what I desire to participate in on a professional and personal level. And I really think that it would be a great match. So that's like an as- I, I aspire for her to be a mentor to me. Yeah, I don't and know she her personally. Works where at 
Helen's, which is owned, it's in, it's inside of John and Vinny's, right, which is right. on like okay, what, cool. La Brea. Cool. Or she works at the place named after her, yeah, like a boss. Because she yeah. is a boss. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Yeah. Boss lady. Yeah, but I think all like my greatest kind of um, tool and um, and and source of inspiration is my peers. So uh, most of the girls that I study with and hang out with who are in the wine business are like my peer in terms mm-hmm. of our education, our, our um, professional accomplishments, but we help each other out. So I don't think necessarily you have to be like senior to someone to sure. be their mentor. Absolutely. Like, so yeah, like um, my friend Mariana, she works for Skernick Wines and Spirits. She, uh, or Skernick Wines, they're a distributor here in California now. Um, previously only in New York. And she's had so much success with that company. I'm so proud of her. And she's studying her for her own pursuit of another certification through another organization. So she really pushes me to be better. She's super political. She's very liberal. She's really engaged with just like standing up for yourself and being respecting yourself first as a woman and as a friend and as a professional. And um, I think when you have people around you that like are demanding that of like life it's it's good so I love Mariana for that um my friend Chloe who I used to work with she's also working on the sales side now and she's having a ton of success in her company and she is um has just submitted her intent to become a master of wine um which is through another trade organization and so she's a huge inspiration her scholastic abilities in terms of wine knowledge are unrivaled um, and then a lot of the other, like, mentors are example. Like, uh, my friend Nathaniel, he is the wine director at the Rose Cafe mm-hmm. in Venice. And he has uh, been very kind to me and supporting me in my pursuit of a new job and, you know, growing professionally. He's always put a lot of opportunities in front of me because he believes in me and he challenges me all the time. So um, I'm appreciative of Nathaniel for that. Um and there's, you know, I mean, Shelby Ledgerwood, she was one of the my wine teachers at UCLA. Mm. And so she's a wonderful wine educator. Um, there's tons. There's so many people. This is a really. I was going to give a shout out to Rick Arline because he wanted to be here today. Oh, oh did he want to come? Yeah. <laughs> Sweet. So Lindsay's roommate, Rick, um, and I are friends. And he is also a sommelier. And that's how we became friendly. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. Hi, Rick. Hi, Rick. Hi, Rick. Yeah. You'll get on here someday. Yeah. Mm, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have any clams to bring to the bay. He did <laughs> once cook clams. Oh. He did. He cooked for clams us. for our first <laughs> photo shoot oh just so sweet that's nice and then i ate them afterwards because they were delicious and so did your dog yeah yeah she (laughs) did like um, like a psycho monster i have never (laughs) seen ladybug so aggressive she's like the most sweetest dog but she got that clam she's She's never given it up never she's like this is my clam forever yeah yeah (laughs) um yeah there's a lot of i've i've had to like kind of get over my independent like thing and I've had to reach out because there's there's a couple women in LA who have passed this advanced exam and I just kind of had to like eat eat it and bite the bullet and like text people I don't know and be like hey so can we have lunch like I just want to get some insight if you have anything to like give me that I can that will help me yeah. like I would love your support and everyone's been really kind about that and it does take a little bit of courage to go out on a totally. limb and be like sure. I'm gonna hang out with someone and go on a lunch date that I don't really know them very well but 
I'm going to keep doing that stuff until March and just keep putting myself out there and hopefully it will pay off. We'll see. Yeah. You just got to ask for it, right? Like you got to reach out. People are psychic. Yeah. Yeah. They don't know. And if you just like while away in your own dungeon, like feeling weird. Yeah. You're the only one that's going to lose. That's good advice across everything. I wish I did that more often. I need to. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. feels good to be asked about something that you've worked hard at like I'm sure it's flattering for those women to be like oh shit yeah someone wants my advice I need to like I think this is probably you probably I don't know I probably you you guys are accomplished in your field but we're working on it yeah no you are (laughs) and the other girls that I women that I study with um are always like you know so much more than me this that you're like you're it's gonna be fine and I'm always like no no like no I don't I don't know I'm not sure and it's like doing the woman thing what what is that language like what are we why am I doing that but I also don't want to be like yeah I got this (laughs) but like maybe you do got this (laughs) maybe I do got it maybe I don't got it we were talking about this before before you got here we were having dinner and I mean, we mentioned this at the beginning of the podcast, just like making success our word of the year. Like it feels. Yeah. Like I feel never... too bold. Yeah. Like... like I've done this like word of the year thing for a long time with another friend of mine. And um, I realized this year, why have I never just chosen the word success? Like, why have I not ever picked that word? You're it's worthy like of it. too presumptuous. And then I'm like, what the hell? Why have I never chosen it? But yeah. it's so, like, it can be interpreted in so many different ways. Yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah, yeah. totally. Yeah. Totally. Oh, and in terms of, like, other, like, advice I would give, like, this is not, like, perceptions of the business and then advice I would give, this is not a lucrative field. Oh, that's a good thing to say because I think of it as being very lucrative. People think of it as being very fancy and um, I think that in maybe in New York and like some other, I don't know, I have yet to experience material success, material Hmm. wealth um, from this pursuit and you see documentaries, there's reality TV shows and stuff about this field um, and it is not a very well-paid field um Mm. perhaps at a very high level it is and that's why also you try to get more certification and more experience etc um but most of the people that i know who are working in this field um would make more money as a server whoa and are choosing this because they think that it has more longevity and it has more meaning to them and they are making a financial sacrifice to do so so if you're getting into this because you think that you're going to make buku bucks i would check yourself before you wreck yourself yeah my goal is to work at a really high level for a big company uh on multiple outlets and at that level you get paid a lot of money this is a multi-billion dollar industry don't get me wrong there is money to go around but working in a restaurant is not the way to get there and you're like given blood sweat and tears for years to get to that level correct you know like you're yeah women forego families they forego marriages they forego i mean men too probably i don't know um but you have to make a lot of sacrifices in your personal life um to get to that level as a woman um yeah Mm -hmm. i mean yeah 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 Good advice. Yeah. God, I feel like we could advice. do a whole other episode. We had a very interesting conversation. Liz was over the other night uh, and Rick made us delicious food. And we had a very interesting conversation about how can you be a famous sommelier? And we need like a whole other episode for it. Yeah. But um, this was so wonderful. Thank you so yeah. much. Thank you so much for coming. Thank yeah. you for the amazing wine. Oh, my God. Thank Cheers you. again. Cheers yes. again. Cheers again. And tell us one more time where people can currently come 
see you in a wine store. Yeah. So I work at Lincoln Fine Wines in Venice, California. It's a retail wine shop. Uh, We also have spirits and beer. And I'm the imports buyer there. So I am mostly versed in old world wines. Mm -hmm. Um, Not, I mean, I love California wine, but it's not my favorite. Mm -hmm. Um, Not my area of specialty. And I have another colleague who does that. I work as a sommelier on the floor at the Ponte uh, on Beverly in LA. And then also at Faith and Flower in downtown LA. And those are just occasional gigs, so I'm not always there. Mm-hmm. My Instagram is uh, Wino Kelso. Yes. And um, you can find me on Facebook, Liz Kelso. And I'm building a website right now. I'm t- teaching myself how to make a website. Hell yeah. And that is slow going because now I'm studying for this stuff, but it's yeah. adultbeverageenthusiast.com. Amazing. Cool. And so if you ever have a private event or you want to book my services, you need help with your private seller, um, you want to put stuff in bin wise, if you want to sell your wine, if you want it to be appraised. If you just want to get drunk at your bachelorette party on really good wine. Who doesn't? Then I can help you with all of those things. Cool. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. So (laughs) that's where you can find me. This is so fun. I know. This is such a great episode. Everybody send all your vibes to Liz in March. Yes. Send all the vibes. We're going to send you so much positive clam (laughs) action. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You're welcome. Thank Thank you you for listening, clams. Thanks for listening, clams. As always, you know where to find us on the Instagrams, on the Twitters. Our website, send us an email, tell us what we're doing good. Send us a question for Aunt Barb. Yeah, send us a question for Aunt Barb. Let us know if you have a friend you want us to convert into feminism. That's my new pitch because somebody said somebody said after our Nick Plopper episode that they made their father listen to it and now he's a feminist. Love it. So hey, if you want Jules. I think so. Hey Jules. Jules? You know what? Let's take a moment of appreciation for Jules. Jules, you are fucking amazing. You're our best fan and we love you. Yeah. And you're doing everything right. Our fans are the best. You're the best. <laughs> but you're the best best. Is Jules a lady? Jules yes. is a lady. If, yeah. If you have a dad who has a if you're if you're a dad and you have a daughter and you're not a feminist dad, get with it. Get with it, get dad. With it, dad. Get with it, dad. Shout out to Jules's dad. Yeah, yes. shout out to Jules's dad. We yes. love you, Jules's dad. So more people with opposite opinions of us, come on, let us convert you. Yes. That's my new pitch for this year. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. Welcome to the clan it's the opposite of a sausage fest Just a couple of vaginas talking What's a creative podcast network?